fantastic to be here with you in church this morning and I'm very excited about what God wants to do in us today. So I love the stories of the Old Testament. You can just have our first slide up there please Karen. I love the, old, the, the stories of the Old Testament because they give us accounts of uh, people and God and how uh, God has dealt with people and how people have responded or reacted to God. And what I find is the way that people related to God in the Old Testament, in, in, in the first part of our Bible, is similar to how people relate with God today. Um, but um, today on the, the screens there, the, the, the title of my message is Free in the Storm. And if you're uh, new to One Heart, we uh, have a theme for the moment, the word free. And uh, I think this is actually part five but it's free in the storm, part one. So if you can keep that in mind. So uh, if you missed a- any of those things, you can catch them on our, on our podcast, which you can listen to all our free messages, and they're free on the podcast. So there you go. <clears throat> but um, today is, is uh, being free in the storm. So I just want us to, to consider some things this morning. We're going to sort of set a foundation for part two which will make a lot more sense, I believe. But today, you know, next week won't make any sense if you didn't get today. So if you're, if you're not here today, you need to listen to today's message so you understand next week. <clears throat> but so um, I want to give you some ground rules about God because sometimes we don't understand God's rules and we, we're trying to work out life according to what makes sense to us, but it's not God's ground rules. And sometimes we have all these things that we think God is, but it's not who God is. It's only somehow that's what we thought. So f- first of all, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, one of my favorite verses, it says, this is what God says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now often we, we've heard that, I mean I've heard it before, and uh, the first time I ever heard that scripture was from uh, Pastor Danny Guglamucci, if you know him. I remember him uh, preaching from this and thinking, that is so amazing. I thought, does the Bible really say that? I couldn't believe it. And, and I, I said, because could, could God have a plan for me? And then verse 12, we don't often get to this, this part, but it says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. So there's a few things there that um, uh, I want us to, to look at. To be free in the storm, A, God has plans for me. So make this personal for yourself. The first thing you need to realize about, uh, about what we're talking about is God has plans for me. And God has good plans for me. Maybe just say that. God has plans for me. Good plans. I have a future and a hope. And the, the last part from verse 12... I have access to God. I have access to God. You know, sometimes in life you can feel powerless. Sometimes in life there's times where you think, well, there's, there's no one I can turn to. And, and I know uh, as a, you know, an exploited worker once upon a time, I used to think I wish I had access to the government. I wish I had access to the union. I wish I had access to powerful people so I could get my rights. You know something I wish I had known then? I have access to God. The highest one in the land, in the universe, in the cosmos, in wherever else there is out there. He's the highest. And I remember when I heard that, that 
that time when I heard Jeremiah 29.11 for the first time, that idea changed my perspective and it virtually was a trigger point to change my life. And I hope today, this morning, there might be trigger points in your life that will change your life. Because God doesn't want you just to be in church just with your head down, turning up. He wants you to, to, to get in line with a, a destiny and a purpose and a plan. Because it's, it's a good plan. It's an amazing plan. So Jesus came from, ever, from heaven, not heaven, from heaven to earth to make that possible for you. See, that's, that's our message that we preach. We, we preach freedom. We preach salvation. The salvation of, our, uh, salvation of our sins. That's found in Jesus. That's the foundation. That's the everything. That's the be all and end all. Sometimes our preaching goes all over. But basically, we've got to understand and got to know we're here in church today because of Jesus Christ, his death upon the cross, covered our sins, made a way for us so that we can have access to the throne room of God. That's something to preach about. That's something we need to, we need to make decision about in our own life. It's not something that we think, well, God's a, a, an abstract somewhere over there. He's saying, come right in. Come into, into my presence. Let's get back to the story. I got excited then. Sorry. So the historical context of, of, of uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, because sometimes we can read a little, little bit, and I'm really good at this. I, love, I just take little bits and just preach that and don't give you the rest of the story. I'm an expert at that. But the historical context of this um, message is uh, it's written to the people of Judah, and they've been exiled to Babylon. So they had gone from living the good life to having it all taken away and now they're living the nightmare it's like every worst possible thing they could think could happen is now their life so they've they've had some good times they've had some they've experienced god's blessings and living the way god wants them to live uh, in in freedom in their own land but suddenly it's turned to a nightmare and god says in the midst of that i have plans for you He's talking to the people of Judah, exiled to Babylon, and he says, I have plans for you. So in the middle of their storm, when nothing went right, God has something to say. There's something in that today. So today, despite what your reality is, don't worry about the lights, there's a technical glitch going on here. Uh, so it's not like we're, we're playing with this for dramatic effect. It's, it's uh, a problem. Who didn't even notice? You need prayer for your eyesight. <clears throat> so today, despite what your reality is, whatever your, your reality is telling you, God knows how to bless you out of it. God wants to bless you out of your reality, whatever that might look like. So through storms, God can and will secure your freedom. And we're going to look at a lot of that this morning. Now you see me, now you don't. <laughs> Let's go back to our story in Jeremiah. There were two groups of people that, that uh, uh, this is in context too. Group one were living the storm of exile in Babylon. They were captives in a foreign land. They were the ones um, singing this song. Is this going to work here? We're trying something new today. Here we go. You might know this song. The rivers of Babylon 
Let's stand, everybody. Thank you, Boney M. They wrote that in 1978, especially for today. <laughs> but they were singing, that, 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 that comes from the Bible, exactly Psalm, what is it, uh, Psalm 37 verse 1 says those words. That, so these captives from Judah, they're in Babylon, and the Babylonians are, are saying to them, why don't you sing us some of those great songs that you used to sing uh, in Jerusalem, uh, in Judah, tell us, sing us those happy songs. And they say, how can we sing happy songs in a foreign land? And sometimes we, we have that concept in our own Christian walk where we're thinking things are going, are going wrong all around me. I'm living in a storm. How can I sing happy songs when this is going on? But it represents being somewhere against your will, working but never getting anything for yourself. It's a storm that some people are living every day. So there's a second group of people that we're going to look at as well. And they're the people who were left in Jerusalem. They were people left in, in uh, the land of Judah by the Babylonians as caretakers of the land. So most of the people, the best, the best of the best, the Babylonians said, you're coming with us. Some of those people were Daniel. If you know the story of Daniel, if you, if you heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den, he was one of the captives who was taken to Babylon. Babylon, the best of the best, were captured and taken away as captives. All the royal family, all the, all the uh, nobles, all the princes, everyone who was important got taken away. And it says the poor, the the... the the, the, the very poorest of the poor were left, to, were left behind in Judah and they said to look after the fields and the gardens and the, and the vineyards. So that, that's the second group of people are those people, the caretakers. They were living in the second chance not to be thrown out of the land. And, uh, and, and we need to realize that God is often and sometimes that, that perhaps there's people here today and you're living in a second chance moment of God where you've seen... Think, you know, it's almost like you've, you've got through something by the skin of your teeth, but you think, oh, thank you, God. You saved me. You're living in your second chance. And if you're like me, I think oh, I'm living in my 52nd ch chance. And we need to, we need to recognize and, and, and understand the chances that God gives us in life. So, uh, and and, and when, they're in the, when you're in that place, as many people do, uh, in that state of second chance, they're asking for a word from God. So this is what happens in Jeremiah 42, verse um, 1 to 3. I'll read it out. I haven't got a slide for you today, so you can see my little friend up there. She'll, she'll tell you all about it at the end. It says, And all the people, from the least to the greatest, approached Jeremiah the prophet. They said, Please pray to the Lord. This is interesting. Some of the words they say, Your God for us. As you can see, we are only a tiny remnant compared to what we were before, 
Pray that the Lord your God will show us what to do and where to go. So here they are. There's a people. They've got a second chance. All the rest of the people have been taken away. So you, you can imagine some people invaded um, South Australia. They took the government. They took the, they took the council. They took all the school teachers. They took all the doctors, all the lawyers, all the important people. They took away. And, and there's a couple of plumbers left with their families. And they're, they're, they're left behind. See, these people are living the storm of knowing what they had and how good it was. They're, they're now a minority in their own country. They were sovereign, but now they are subject to others. Second chance like that. It's like you were dying, but somehow you got healed and sometime, somehow you didn't die. Uh, second chance is like you, you were living, um, uh, facing bankruptcy and somehow you didn't go bankrupt. You, God got you out of it. Somehow your marriage was on the rocks, but somehow God got you through and your marriage was safe. Somehow you, you thought you were going to lose this or that, but you had a second chance and, it, and the worst didn't happen to you. And as many people do in that state, they wanted a word from God. So they went to Jeremiah the prophet and they said, give us a word. Now, Jeremiah 42 verse 6, it tells us this. This is what they say to Jeremiah. It's amazing words. They say, whether we like it or not, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you with our plea. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. You see, the message Jeremiah gives him, he says, okay, it says 10 days later. He goes, he, he goes away, they say, go and ask God for us. He goes away and it says 10 days later, he calls them back and says, God's told me what to do. And now they've just said, whether we like it or not, we're going to do whatever God tells us. We'll obey God. Look what happens. The message Jeremiah gives them, he, he says, God's got a message for you. It's stay where you are. Stay in this land. But they say, no, we don't want to stay in the land. We want to go to Egypt. We're going to Egypt instead. So they got a word from God, but they rejected the message because they didn't like the messenger. So they said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do what we, we feel like. So wallowing in their regret, took them back to Egypt, the place God rescued them out of in the very first place. Because they were, they were seeing the storm and not the saviour. So Egypt often represents our life before knowing Jesus. This is a case of not listening to godly counsel. They said, whether we like it or not, we'll obey the Lord. See, that's an emotional response Perhaps an early commitment that stops at obedient trust. There's lots of people say, Lord, I'll follow you. God, I thank you so much for, for, for bringing me to this wonderful moment of salvation. But then when it comes to obedience and trust, they say, oh, I changed my mind. I'm going back to where it's safe. I'm going back to where I came from. And that's the most amazing thing that I find throughout the, the Bible is that so many times the people of Israel, the people of Judah, wanted to go back to Egypt, the very place that God took them out of. The place where, the, where their bondage was the worst. The place that represented Satan's plan is they're saying, well, that's what I want to go back to. And I know they were stupid. They were dumb. So don't be like that. 
You're smart. We're smarter than that. It's amazing that the, 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 the thing that looks attractive is the thing that we were freed from. So we don't obey God because we don't trust God. That's the bottom, the bottom line issue of obedience is if we don't trust, we won't obey. Because if we trust, we say, well, I know God's got a good plan. I can trust that. The Lord gave them what I consider a simple instruction, a simple direction. You can't get much more simpler than this. Stay where you are. So if you're thinking, God, I need a word. God, I need a word. Lord, please give me a word. I want a word, Lord. And he says, stay where you are. Hang on, that's, that's, not, that's not what I was looking for. You're supposed to send me somewhere. He says, stay where you are. But they didn't. They didn't trust God enough to obey that word. So for us this morning, the word for you today is stay. Perhaps stay in church. She might be thinking, well, what should I do? I'm a bit confused with life. Well, what, 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 what about this? What about that? Stay in church. Stay in your job. Stay in your, <clears throat> pardon me, stay in your town. Stay married. It doesn't sound too hard. They're not hard directions to follow. Stay is unpopular. Stay is an unpopular word from God. Because we have a notion if we change circumstances around us somehow that will change something in us it doesn't change circumstances around me change where i live change my house change my wife then things are going to change in me it doesn't so you can move without changing and you can change without moving oh that was a bit deep stay Dealing with our spiritual storms and surviving requires obeying the simple directions. Obeying the simple directions. So here's, here's a big key. Storms move. Stay where you are and the storm moves away from you. If people could realize that, stay where you are. Because the storms move. I, I don't know. I've, 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 I've seen plenty of storms but I've seen plenty more sunny days. And so many people thinking, oh, it's a stormy day. Oh, this is so bad. This is so terrible. It's, it's a stormy week. I'm going to live in Hawaii. You know what? Move there and the storm will chase you back. It'll find you. So what not to do? Because the story for these, for these people who are left in the land, the second chance people, the story comes to a tragic end. In Jeremiah 44, verse 16 and 17, they say to Jeremiah, we will not listen to your message from the Lord. What did they start saying? Whether we like it or not, we're going we're to do what he tells us. Then, then they say, we will not listen to your message from the Lord. We will do whatever we want. We'll do whatever we want. So oftentimes people come to me as a pastor and they say, well, this is what's happening and oh, I'm just sure, not, not sure what to do. And, 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 and they want counsel. And, and I always come from the premise. And I tell you what, don't get annoyed if a pastor or a person in your church, when you come with a problem, they say, look, here's a word from God. When it's done in love, when it's done in correct balance, here's the word from God because that's what's going to change the situation. So don't go back saying, oh, don't throw scripture at me. I'll throw peaches at you 
They might be sweet, but they're not going to help. It says, we'll not listen to your message. We'll do whatever we want. So subsequently, they go to Egypt. They, 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 they go where they think it's safe. They go where they think they're going to find security. And the war that they were hoping to avoid came to them in Egypt. The safety, the easy life, the protection that they thought Egypt would bring them destroyed them. So that the remnant was, was taken down to even smaller remnant, to virtually nothing. So the key to freedom in the storm is stay where you are and do what God tells you. Freedom in the storm is to do whatever God tells you to do. So I want to give you some important habits that won't stop storms. You need to realize this. They won't stop storms. And so often people think their Christian life, their, their, their belonging to church, their, their having a faith in God means that, well, I'm expecting no storms. No, that's not what happens. Important habits that won't stop storms, but will secure you through them. They're anchor points. And you've heard this many, many times from me, and I'll say it until I die. Some of these things we just need to make daily disciplines because God didn't want to just bring you to salvation. He wants to bring you into being a disciple. And these things are what make you a disciple. So first thing is be a prayer. And there's a few scriptures there. Um, uh, Genesis 35 verse 3, um, uh, Jacob says, uh, basically he had many life storms, if you know his story. He had many things go wrong, many things that didn't work out. And uh, uh, this is what he said in Genesis 35 verse 3, We are now going to Bethel where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress, when I was in the storm. He has been with me wherever I have gone. You know something? He's saying he's gone through plenty of storms. He's been rejected uh, from his brother. He's, he's, he's tried to scheme and scam and do all sorts of things in his life. And through all those storms, he says, God has been with me wherever I have gone. He didn't say, well, we're going to build an altar in Bethel. I'm going to worship God because he took me. He saved me from every storm. I just sailed through, <clears throat> sailed through life with blue skies. He didn't say that. He said, God had saved me through all my distress. He was with me all the time. In Psalm 69, verse 16, the psalmist says, Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is plentiful. And one of the things we need to, we need to get stuck in our spirit, stuck in our mind, stuck in our soul, stuck in our every, every thought, is that God is overwhelmingly good towards you. And sometimes we think that God is, is, is not good. He's a punishing um, uh, taskmaster or some kind of evil tyrant. You know, you've got to start to, start to reestablish God's foundation of goodness to you. When we start to believe that, things can change. The second thing is read your Bible. You need to know your Bible. You've got to read it all the time. And I think if you just do those two things personally, you will grow. You're not called to stay the same. You're called to change. You're called to grow. You're not called, you know, I know this is controversial, but, but it's not my role to tell you what you should do with your life. 
It's not my role to correct you. You've got to let the word of God do that because it does a much better job. Because if I was going around saying, oh, it's inconsistent there. Oh, you're saying the wrong thing there. Oh, I don't really agree with that. What you say? You'll just hate me and you'll find another church. I want you to stay in this church. Let the word of God speak to you. But you'll never hear any of it if you never read it. You'll never understand what God wants you to do if you never have personal revelation. Because I could be saying, hey, Sam, you should do this. And hey, Gabriel, you should do that. By the way, awesome Gabriel cleaned up this massive mess we had this week. She spent hours and hours and hours on Thursday cleaning up. My office had junk and dust everywhere. And, she, and I thought, oh, I'm going to clean up somewhere else. And she went in and did it all. And I just want to honor Gabriel. Let's give her a hand. Awesome job. But when you've developed habits of reading the Bible and praying, we hedge ourselves in every storm. So the storm will be there. Things are going to happen that you don't want, you don't expect, you couldn't even see coming sometimes. They're going to come. But the whole thing is you've got to say, well, God, I'm going to have a hedge of your word around me that I can hang on to. So you're thinking, well... You know, I didn't think that my business was going to fail. But you know what? I'm hanging on to a word that I'm going to get through this. I didn't think that I would have trouble with my marriage. I did, I, I, I'm in it. How could, I, how could my wife ever have a problem with this? We can't do those things. But, but I can't stress enough how important it is knowing your Bible. It's a, a fortress for your thoughts. It's a fortress for your thoughts. There's people who battle depression. There's people who battle uh, issues of insecurity. People who battle all kinds of, of, of negativity and lies in their thought life. I want to tell you something. You need, to, you need to try and find a time every day where you let just one bit of God's word in. And you know, I, I remember hearing about this as a, as a young man thinking, yeah, but, but God doesn't love me. I know how stupid I am. I know my thoughts. I know, all, I know how bad things are in my mind. And, and I couldn't get my head around it. But I, I remember thinking at one point in my time, I'm going to just try this. And I reckon probably for a year or two years, it was just like I didn't understand the Bible all that well. And it, 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 it might have been as, as fun rubbing glass into my eyes. But I just kept at it. And I just do remember certain times, I, I can't give you a time frame, but certain times where suddenly I go, I can see what that means right now. I get it now. And one of the first revelations I had was because I hated the Old Testament. Oh, the things stupid don't get, just get rid of, especially the book of Job and, and, and Song of Solomon's. Just, just ditch them, God. But I remember coming to this point, reading about the Genesis and Exodus and reading the, the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. And suddenly I said, I remember thinking, that's just like when you get born again, when you get saved, you get taken out of slavery. And, and, and it was this personal revelation. And I'd probably heard it preached, but never heard it. Because I used to go to church and sit there thinking, come on, how long is this guy going to talk for? And are they going to sing that song another time? And I hate the carpet. And that little piece of sticky tape looks like a mouse. <laughs> Where is up to now? Know your Bible. Nehemiah 9 verse 8. 
the, the second part of it says, for you, Lord, are always true to your word. You know something? I'll let you down. I'll say things are not deliver because I'm just a man. Other people will promise things and then not deliver. The government will say things and then not deliver. The Richmond Football Club will promise things and then not deliver. <laughs> Except for today. But God's word, Nehemiah says, is always true. So you know what you're thinking, well, the storm is raging around me. I, I wish this storm would stop. What you've got to say is, well, God, your word says that you are for me, that you have good plans, that there is a future and a hope. You're thinking, well, I can't see you know, what the future will be if this happens to me. You know, but you've got to say, God, your word is true. And that's what you've got to hang your hat on in those times is something that the word of God says. And you write that down somewhere where you can't forget it and you keep reminding yourself of that word. I shared it briefly in the pre-service prayer meeting earlier about Isaiah 43 verse 18 and 19 came to me at a point in my life where I thought what well, I had messed up so many things so many times and so regularly and so professionally that I thought that, that I never had any future in God. And, and a pastor got me aside one day and he said, God's got a word for you. It's Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. I'm, I was amazed. I thought, well, how does God even know who I am? And he said, forget the past. Forget the former things. Behold, I'm doing a, a brand new thing. There'll, there'll be streams in the desert, flowers in the wasteland. And, and, and that was a pretty wussy kind of a message for, for, for you know, young stud Italian. Nothing much has changed. <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but something got in my spirit. And so I, I wrote that down. And, and I would remind myself, and I'd always forget, well, where did it come from again? What, what was that scripture? I find a piece of paper, and I look it up, forget the former things, behold, I'm doing a brand new thing. And I say, God, can you do that for me? And I didn't, I didn't really fully know, but I'd say, God, if you can, then do it. And I look back and, and think, compared to, to who I was and what I was, I'm just like amazed. And I just think for the future, well, I know where I am now, but, but I'm just thinking, God, what, what are you going to do next? And I want, I want you to start to wrap your mind, wrap your spirit, wrap your heart around what God wants to do next in your life. Know your Bible. Pray, know your Bible. And the next one is worship God. Th those those uh, three psalms there all talk about worshipping God, all talk about giving worship back to God because what worship does, it takes our storm and, and puts God's glory higher than the storm. And, and we've got to learn to worship like the rivers of Babylon where we sat down where we couldn't sing anymore because we were in captive and we remembered Zion when, and, and we can't sing anymore. Well, we don't do that. Don't wait 2,000 years for Boney M to, to ring, uh, sing the song for you. They turned it into a song what wasn't a song. That's the amazing thing. They said, we can't sing now. <laughs> and then Boney M said, we could sing that. Worship takes our storms and puts God's glory higher. When we honour God like that, 
we find freedom in the storm. Worship through the storm brings freedom in the storm. So why do we go to church? Why do we, why do we worship? I just turn up in church after they've sung the songs. It just bores me. Why we worship is because we're, we're lifting God higher than the storm that surrounds us. You know, when do we worship God? When everything's good, when everything's working out, when, we're, when the bank balance is full, when the car's, you know, the car's all nice and shiny, uh, or when, God, I just bent the car. God, I've just lost all my money. But you're bigger than that. You're eternal and these things are only temporary. Matthew 7, verse 24, I'm nearly finished. Matthew 7, verse 24 and 25 says, Anyone, this is what Jesus said, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, the storm comes, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. See, in this life, there will be storms. And I want to tell you something. You can find freedom in the storm. You can be free in the storm. Because that is what God does best. You can be caught in the storm. You can die in the storm. You can be completely messed up in the storm. Or you can find your security in God in the storm. Storms are basically anything that serves resistance to our faith in Jesus. Anything that wants to get there to make you doubt God. Make you doubt your call. Make you doubt the goodness of God. That's what a storm is. Don't allow a storm to separate you from your destiny in God. Aim to have a clear head. I think I've got that here. A clean head, a clean heart, and working hands or serving hands. If we can do those things in every storm, then we just keep we just keep growing. We just keep getting better. We just keep getting stronger. I want to pray this morning in your situation for the storm that you're in. Why don't we just bow our heads? God knows you. And he's on your side. We started with that this morning. Don't give in during the storm. Trust God's word. Find God's word. Be obedient to his word. And you'll be free in every storm. And now I know right now in, in a group like this, there'll be certain people and you're thinking, well, I've got my own storm right now. Whatever it, it could be. And so oftentimes in church, we will say, come on down, we'll pray for you. But what I felt to do this morning is God's saying, get my people to turn to me directly. So we're going to take just a moment and I want you to say, God, this is my storm. God, this is what I'm facing. And you might be in that storm. We're going to look at this next week when the storm is so severe that there is no hope left. And see what God will do when the storm is so bad. But just now this morning, 
I'm going to pray and I want you to pray too. Saying, God, this is my storm. This is what I'm facing. But I want to pursue after you. I want to see your miracles. I want to see your, your goodness in my life played out. And when we bring that to God, He is faithful and He'll do what we can't do. So why don't we just pray right now. Just take a moment and you talk to God yourself. Whatever way you do that, that's, that's between you and God. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your people today. Thank you that you are concerned about our storms. And Lord, that even though the storms may come and beat upon our life, that we have hope in the power and the name of Jesus. I just pray today that you cause people to live through their storms, to see your word in the storm, and to find freedom in every storm. Lord, I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for your purpose for us. And I pray, Lord God, that you may take us through every storm and make us better and stronger, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, church. I had a good time this morning. I hope you did too. (laughs) 